Listener Production. Well-behaved US inflation figures provide a foundation for US stock improvements on Friday. And Aussie shares expected to open higher on Monday, with home prices lifting in the month of June. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Monday, July 3. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, happy new financial year. It was, especially after what happened at Lord's last night, Tom. I we, know we don't want to we, talk too much We've got much a moratorium, sport. haven't we? We do. You are, you are panoptic in terms of your uh, knowledge of sporting statistics. I'll put it to you, Ryan. What's the most watch sporting event each year? You've got me, mate. Oh, I would have thought you'd have this one straight off the bat. It's the Tour de France, of course. Tour de France. And of it, course, uh, the Lycra guys. In, yes. <laughs> come on, mate. That's uh, underselling the suffering that goes on and anyone who is a lot a, of suffering an aficionado, aficionado of, uh, of cycling knows exactly what I'm talking about. So this is the, the time of the year where many people who are interested in sport are slightly delirious because of their uh, underslept nature. And there was, of course, something that we can't even breathe a word about, and that's the Formula One at the weekend as well. No, I can't mention that. Uh, and in any case, uh, Friday was a very important night for the markets for one important reason, and that was the release of a measure of inflation that the US Central Bank looks at particularly carefully. And your favourite measure, Ryan, the Supercore PCE number. We love the Supercore. So the US Federal Reserve's preferred measure of US inflation cooled in May and consumer spending stagnating, suggesting the economy's main engine is starting to lose some momentum, Tom. Really important, isn't it, that uh, that spending on services is beginning to cool off a little bit because that is where uh, so much of the inflation is being generated when it comes to inflation figures globally. Absolutely. Consumer spending has been underpinned by strong wage gains and we get an update on the US jobs market later this week. So that's one to look out for. But we are seeing some evidence of lower income households in the US starting to deplete their savings that have accumulated during the COVID-19 pandemic. And we've got about 27 million Americans with federal student loans will start making interest payments in October when a more than three-year moratorium ends. So they'll be at a higher interest rate. Indeed. And that's a very important dynamic that you referred to there is that households are beginning to eat into that buffer that was accumulated over the pandemic, you know, in Australia, for example, it's been estimated that we have a buffer of around $300 billion at a household level in terms of savings that were accumulated over the course of the pandemic. And that's part of the reason why this services inflation has got the tailwind that it's enjoyed over the course of the last couple of years. Absolutely. So households have been digging into their savings supported by a tight labour market and have continued to spend largely on experiences. So a lot of travelling going on at the moment, of course. We're all looking at those... Revenge spending. Revenge spending, Insta accounts in Europe. It's it's quite nauseating, isn't it, Tom, when you're here in July and winter in Australia? Well, look, you know, you can still enjoy the brilliant coverage from the SBS, um, and it feels like you're travelling, Ryan. But regardless, this important statistic, there are a few other measures. Do do we need to unpack those? I think that this was the fulcrum around which stocks were able to vault higher by an impressive margin when you look at the NASDAQ. It was up 1.5%. The S&P 500 was up 1.2%. The Dow Jones up by around 0.8%. So clearly what is noteworthy here is the improvement of the NASDAQ with technology stocks benefiting from that moderation in inflation and indeed a 10-year 
Treasury was down slightly, down by a basis point at 3.84%. That is notable under these circumstances to be barely moved in the face of the most important statistic of the month when it comes to inflation. Well, we did see the quelling of persistent inflation really support tech shares, the magnificent seven, as they're called, they continue to Certainly magnificent higher. in the case of Apple, yes. know, vaulting above the $3 trillion mark for the first time in its history. Absolutely. And we did see a little bit of a mixed backdrop with the bond markets. So while the 10-year US Treasury yield was flattish and that supported tech shares, we did see the two-year up slightly by three basis points. And the reason for that is there's still expectations that the US Federal Reserve will lift interest rates by 25 basis points when it next meet, meets in a few weeks. So the important point to note is that the RBA is not expected to raise rates tomorrow. So that does introduce a risk that the expectation is they do nothing and um, potentially they do raise rates. I mean, we saw some home price figures out this morning, Ryan. There's something being made of the fact that in June there was a slight moderation in the pace of home prices rising 1.7% compared to the 1.8% rate last year. They're still up by the better part of 7% since the beginning of the year. You'd think that would be on the RBA's radar. Yeah, you're referring to Sydney home prices. So what we did see in the month of June is the national home prices lift by 1.1%, and that was a slight deceleration from the 1.2% that we saw in May. Nevertheless, Sydney continues to lead the advance up 1.7% in the month of June. Brisbane was up 1.3%, and they were really the key cities that drove the lift in home prices. We did actually see Hobart home prices down by just 0.3%, but everyone else was up. But what we have seen is a combination of limited supply, renewed immigration, and signs the Reserve Bank is near the end of its tightening cycle, boosting demand, Tom. In terms of uh, what we can expect Today, Ryan, we have got the futures pointing to an improvement of around 0.4% as far as the ASX 200 is concerned. We have seen commodity prices firm up a little bit at the end of last week, largely at the hands of a slightly moderating US dollar. So all prices up in the order of about a percent. Uh, We had uh, the US benchmark up by a little over a percent and the European benchmark up 0.8 of a percent. Gold futures slightly firmer, not by much, up by around 0.6 of a percent. And we had the uh, copper futures up about 1.7 percent. Aluminium futures were down slightly. So today we have some important figures out of China, a key measure of manufacturing activity, the Kaijin index. This will be very important when it comes to the outlook for the Chinese economy, and indeed uh, the demand for commodities. And we did see the Purchasing Manager Index is released on Friday in China. And as expected, we saw the manufacturing recession, if you want to call it that, deepen. But at the same time, we saw services in China still expanding, but at a decelerating rate. So the continuation of the weakness in the Chinese economy is something that markets are very fixated on at the moment, particularly in the commodity space. And today's Kaijin private sector update will be notable. Indeed. And I suppose what's interesting is that this often is seen from the negative perspective uh, in relation to activity and its momentum. But there is a positive element to the moderating pace of activity in China in terms of 
what it's doing to the bigger picture where inflation is concerned. So that is probably a little bit under-examined, I suppose. So there is a glass half-full aspect to the moderating levels of activity in China. Well, we do get an update on Chinese inflation in the week after the next. So we have seen Chinese inflation broadly flat, which is very different to the dynamic that's playing out in the West at the moment. So what that means is that enables the Chinese authorities to implement some stimulus if need be. Indeed, it gives them some power to access because they've kept it dry. One thing that always has the ability to destabilise inflationary expectations, of course, are oil prices. Ryan, you've been looking at this carefully. We did see global oil prices lift on Friday after Russia's Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak ordered officials to consider introducing quotas for the export of oil products, potentially curtailing global crude supply. So the dynamic in Russia is very uncertain at the moment. Of course, we had the Wagner mercenaries recently, and that may mean that we could see Vladimir Putin as president situation a little less stable and we could see more action in commodity markets from the Russians on the back of all this as well. And at the same time, we have seen the supply cuts, production cuts for the month of July come into play as well. So a lot going on in that space at the moment, but certainly all prices have been hovering around that 70 US dollars a barrel level for some time. The other thing to note as well is that we have seen Chinese smelters ramp up production aluminium in China. So that's been weighing on the aluminium price. It was down 0.5%. So that could feed through to aluminium-focused Aussie-listed shares today. And iron ore was under significant pressure on Friday as well, down 2%. And the reason for that is Chinese steelmakers have warned about soft demand and pressure to cut costs through the summer months. So the commodity space broadly is a little bit mixed at the moment, and it has a big impact on the inflationary backdrop. And the reason that it is mixed is because of the outlook for activity. You know, you have seen this surge higher for, for interest rates, the expectation of uh, recessions, which are talked about incessantly. It's no surprise that you're seeing these challenges in the commodity space. And certainly the big focus on demand. So we have seen some supply restraint, particularly in the copper space, and, and that is supporting copper prices more broadly. Nevertheless, though, the worries about global growth has been paramount in Chinese demand. So just finally, to wrap up where the currencies are concerned, we've got the Aussie dollar having pushed quite a deal higher overnight, Ryan, and that's a reflection of that moderation in US inflation. US dollar has fallen, and the Aussie dollar is back to around 66.7 US cents. The other thing to note for investors today is we've got a number of ASX 200 companies paying their dividends. So we've got Gaming technology company Aristocrat Leisure, banking giant ANZ, building products company CSR, and commercial explosive company Orica. So they're all paying their dividends. So if you own those shares, you may see that pop up in your bank account. So Ryan, um, my wish to you this day is uh, to have um, a happy new financial year and um, may you get some sleep in the next couple of days. I know I'll be challenged in this regard myself. It's a big week, Tom, and just one last thing to mention. In the United States, we are entering the best seasonal period of the year for US equities. The first 15 days of July have been the best two-week trading period of the year since 1928, so uh, get into it. Nice summer rally. Have a good day.
This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.